Let's welcome up Van with an awesome message. I think I, I think I just made the team, huh? <laughs> hey, welcome everyone. It's great to see you here. Uh, awesome to, to come together on the day that we set aside to celebrate the birth of Christ. And, and as Wilson mentioned, uh, we know that Jesus was not born on December 25th. And some people make a big deal out of that and say, well, why do we celebrate Christmas at this point? And uh, there are some good reasons for why we celebrate Christmas at this time of the year. And it really comes down to this, that at least one of the major inputs into uh, the late December as a celebration for the birth of Christ. In the Roman Empire, uh, Christians were persecuted. It was outlawed to be a Christian. Christians took their, you know, were taking a great risk to gather in a group like this to worship God. And at the end of December, every year, the Romans celebrated the winter solstice which is the point at which the sun goes as far south as it's gonna go, and then it starts to return to the north. And so the Romans had a big holiday that uh, celebrated this, and they, they worshiped the sun god. Now, what that meant was that because the whole empire is celebrating, everyone's off work, Christians were free to meet without drawing any attention to themselves. And so they could have large gatherings to worship without drawing attention to themselves. And instead of worshiping the sun god, they worshiped the birth of the son of God. And so it's, it's I think it, that, that, that does something for my heart when I realize that worship on this day of the birth of Christ finds its origins in the roots of the advance of the kingdom of God in history and generations of Christians who are willing to put their lives on the line to follow Christ. Doesn't that make this day just a little more special for me and I hope it does for you as well, yeah. All right, so we have some really great stuff today, I think, that I wanna share with you and, and belly reflect again later. But um, we're gonna start off by reading a, a very familiar passage that draws out the subject of joy, which is what we've been talking about uh, this whole month of December. And so I'm gonna read to you Luke 2, 8 through 12, and then we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna just begin to share some insights and some things God's given me through this passage and some others. But Luke 2, 8 through 12, this is the very same night that Jesus was born, all right? These shepherds were in close proximity to Bethlehem where Jesus was actually born. And so it starts out, it says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. So, uh, Father God, we're so thankful that you loved us so much. You saw such treasure in us as your created beings that you, you divested yourself of heaven 
and you sent your son here. Jesus, you left heaven to come here to save us. We're so thankful for that. Uh, we, we open our hearts to you now to receive. We ask you to teach us, Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Uh, we open our hearts to you to receive everything you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think it's interesting first that it, it was shepherds that the announcement came to first, and some people have uh, maintained that shepherds were like a despised class, that they were looked down on and persecuted in, in that culture, but th- th- there's, there's some disputing of that. What we really know is that shepherds were common people. They were, they were not at the top of the economic ladder. They, they were hardworking people, and they made a living, but they were just regular, normal people everyday people. And, and I think if we look at it that way, then what, we're, what we want to take from, from the very fact that shepherds were the very first ones to get this announcement is that God really is after everybody. It's good news for everybody. And that's what he says here. It's good news. It's great joy to all people. And that means no matter what your social class no matter what your background, no matter what your experiences or failures or successes, Jesus came for you. And that's the intent of that. Now, what I love about this is that this angel appears among them, and, and I'm picturing it like this, that they're, they're all around their fire, they're milling around, some of them are out in the fields actually watching the sheep, the rest are back to warm themselves and get a little bit of rest, and suddenly there's another person right there in their midst, and there's this bright light surrounding the whole area, the glory of God. And so this angel is suddenly there, they, they recognize him as an angel and they're afraid. And if you understand the Old Testament, there was, there was good reason to be afraid at times when angels showed up. One occasion, one angel slew 185,000 enemy soldiers. So they're pretty powerful beings. And when you have a warrior angel show up like that, it could tend to be frightening. But the angel tells them, don't be afraid. He calms their fears. And and he tells them that he came to release joy, this news of joy, this great joy to all people people, and right after this passage, what it says is that then a myriad of angels appeared, and what it really is is thousands, tens of thousands of angels appeared singing glory to God, and worshiping God, and praising God for this incredible thing that has happened, that the Son of God has been born into humanity, that the second person of the Trinity, without losing or giving up his deity, became a human being. Now, it would be easy to look at that and to think, well, okay, so God in heaven, he said, all right, I want you to take a couple brigades of angels down there, and as soon as this angel's done talking, then you guys all appear and surprise them and sing. But what really was happening here was this. God just pulled back the veil and showed us what was happening in all of heaven. He, he, just, he just pulled back the veil and said, okay, here's what's happening in heaven on this day, on this night. And all of heaven is rejoicing, and they got to see tens of thousands of angels as part of that, those millions of angels in heaven rejoicing, and they got to, they got to be part of that. Isn't that cool? Don't you want that? You know, I want God to, to peel back the curtain and show me more of himself. You know, I want to see more of heaven. And I want to see more of the truth of who God is. Well, we, we call that revelation. And it happens sometimes when there are things that we know. It's one thing 
Well, it's one thing to say, well, I know there are angels in heaven rejoicing right now. It's another thing for God to, to peel back the veil and you actually see it and you hear the voices and you experience it. That, that's an illustration of revelation because there are times there are truths that we know and we know them in our minds, but they haven't really impacted our lives because we, we just know them kind of in a human intellectual sense. And, and it hasn't really been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, the truth and the fullness and the impact of that. But that's what happens here. And so this message is for all people. Jesus came to release joy to his people, and he came to, to release really the joy of heaven to, the create, to God's creation and to the people that God had created. Now, how does that happen? How does Jesus re re release the joy of heaven in into our world today? And the first thing I want to say is this. He restores our identity. He restores our identity. You see, if you don't really know who you are, then there's an element of confusion and instability in life that keeps us from from, from really being everything God wants us to be. And when you realize that we are created in the image of God, and the first two, Adam and Eve, were created perfect in the image of God. And when we say they were perfect, what we mean is they were exactly the way he designed them to be. That's what perfect is. And that's what we would call righteous. They were right. That's the word righteous. Sometimes we give it some, some uh, mystical uh, religious overtones that, that kind of rob us of its true meaning, but righteous just simply means right. It means you are, you are made according to the original specs of the designer. And so we were created in the image of God as human beings, but the first two human beings made the choice to step out of relationship with God, and when they did that, and, and they went to that tree, and they disobeyed God by eating that fruit, when they did that, then their very nature changed, and it became fallen, and so their nature was no longer what God had created it to be, so it was no longer right, which means they became unrighteous, not according to the original design. You think of it like this, um, if you've ever done any building or, or done any work, uh, I worked on building a porch with my father once, and um, you, you build it and you, you have levels, and you're, you're putting levels up against every post to make sure that it's, that it's plumb. And you're, you're making sure you use the right type of wood so it doesn't sag on one side. If the, if the porch is crooked, and if it's sagging on one side because you used the wrong materials, then it is unrighteous. If the porch is perfectly plumb, perfectly square and straight and strong and exactly level the way you want it to be with just a little bit of slant for the rain to come off, then you would say it is righteous. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, they became unrighteous and then when they reproduced more human beings, those human beings were born with unrighteous hearts. And so as, as those who are born with unrighteous hearts, we are separated from God. We are born separated from God. And that, that's what the Bible says. In Isaiah 59.2, it says, your iniquities, that just means sins, have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. So what happened was that 
our heavenly father who designed us to relate to him and to know him, we became separated from him through sin. Now, what that does is it makes us spiritually orphans because we don't know who our spiritual parent is. We don't know our lineage. We don't know our history. Uh, even in the natural realm, when a child doesn't know who their parents are, and, and, and that, that happens, Ho- hopefully that child's adopted into a great family and with great parents, but even then, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, that child, when they grow up, will want to know who are their biological parents because they want to have some idea of their genetic lineage and, and, and where they actually came from biologically and what were the circumstances of why, why their parents gave them up. And they're searching really for a fuller expression of their identity. Now, sometimes a, a child that, that has been orphaned will grow up in a wonderful family and they're just happy and content and they find their peace with that and they don't seek out their, their biological parents, and that's just fine. But, um, but in these cases when they do, what that's illustrating is that a loss of our heritage means a loss of identity. And, and so what God wants to do is to restore identity. He wants to show us who we really are and to bring us back into relationship with him. And so the thing that's, that, that broke identity was sin. The thing that broke our identity, it, our, our righteous nature that made us then to be born with an unrighteous nature is sin. Now, not personal sin, but the sin of Adam and Eve. So I'm born with an unrighteous nature. But what Jesus did was to come to deal with sin. And so you see in Matthew 121, the angel in a dream speaking to Joseph and speaking to him about what's happening, he says, go ahead and, and marry this woman. Uh, she's righteous. She, hasn't, she's, she has not sinned against you by being pregnant. It's the Holy Spirit. And then he says, she'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So you see, the very thing that robbed us of our identity, Jesus came into the world and he actually took the sin on himself so that you and I could come back into our right identity. Now, what we see in this is in 2 Corinthians 5.21, just this incredibly powerful verse where it says, God made him who never sinned to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you see that. Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus uh, showed up and, and he had a big wallet and so he got his wallet and says, okay, what's the, what's the penalty for this sin? All right, here, I'll lay the money down. It's, it's not like that. He didn't pay for sin in any way like that. He paid for sin by actually, it says, he made him who had never sinned to be sin for us. That's a powerful, powerful statement. And, and it really takes some, some time for us to think and to say, God, show me what that means. Because it's more than just Jesus paying a penalty for sin. When he hung on the cross, he actually took our sin into himself. He took our sin upon himself. Our sin became his identity when he hung on the cross. He became sin for us. 
His nature was perfectly righteous. That's why, that's why we have the virgin birth. Because he couldn't be born in the normal human way. If, just an, if, if, if he had been born as a result of Mary and Joseph coming together as husband and wife, just another unrighteous person would have been born into the world. And therefore, Jesus, son of God, could not have come in that way. He had to come in through a, a, a th- something that breaks the pattern, and that's why we have the virgin birth, so that he came in born with a righteous nature, and then he lived his entire life out of that righteous nature, never made a choice inconsistent with his righteous nature, so he never, ever, ever sinned in his entire lifetime, but you and I have sinned, so many times we've said, God, I know this is what you want but I'm going this way, either out of outright rebellion or some form of weakness that, that just says, okay, God, I know this is what you want, but God, I'm going to go this way. What we're really saying when, that hap- when we do that is, God, I don't trust you. I see this. You say this is the very best thing for me. I can't believe that. I think this is better. I'm going to go that way. And when Jesus lived, he never did that one time. But when he hung on the cross... He took our sin into himself. He took our unrighteousness into himself so he could give us his righteousness. So there's an exchange here of not just in a forensic way, not just like, okay, on the books in heaven, it says I'm righteous, but everyone knows I'm not. Not just God God says, okay, you are righteous, wink, wink. I know you're not really righteous. But we're, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to say that, okay? And when I look at you, I'm, I'm going to look at you and say, boy, you're pretty lousy. But then I'll look at Jesus and say, oh, well, I'm looking at you through Jesus and therefore you're righteous. That, I think that's bad theology. No, we actually get the righteousness of Christ. He, we, when you realize what it means is to be made the way you were designed to be. When you realize that, then you can see how this is true, that Jesus never sinned. He took our sin into himself. He adopted what you could, I mean, this sounds almost like heresy to me, but he adopted for those moments our sin nature into himself so that he died to break that sin nature so that he could give us his righteous nature so that you and I could come back to the right standing that God created us to have with him as he created Adam and Eve with a righteous nature. So when you look at that and you see just the, the, the magnitude and the power of this, that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. When I, when I receive Jesus into me and I come into him, I get a change of nature. Now, one of the real practical effects of this is this, that when you struggle with something, so I think so many Christians struggle with habits and thought patterns and, um, and, and other sinful patterns in our lives just the same way we did before we got saved. You know, I tried to quit smoking. I tried to quit doing a whole lot of things before I got saved. Couldn't do it. Once I got saved, there, there was, it was possible for me to then fight the same old battles the same way I fought those battles before. But once you, once you come into Christ, you're facing a temptation. Let's just say it's a temptation to be angry with someone. And you feel wronged, and you feel justified in this. 
Well, you can, either, uh, you can either use some human techniques to try to get over that, or you can do this. You can say, wait a second. This desire to be angry is not the real me. It does not flow out of my new righteous nature, which is the center and core of my identity. It is not the real me, and God, because you have made me righteous, I have authority to say no to that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, right now I say no to these wrong thoughts and this desire to justify myself and to be angry. I say no to it in Jesus' name. When you do that, you are operating out of your true righteous identity and you will see incredible effect in your life. You will see incredible things happen as, as, as you, you see, even though we're completely righteous, we have a righteous heart, it's possible for us to make bad decisions. And it's possible for us to think wrong thoughts and to have wrong desires based upon those wrong thoughts. Now, proving that is as simple as looking at Eve. She talked to the serpent, bad decision, bad call, wouldn't you say? Don't talk to this guy even. Then she went to the tree, looked at the tree, another bad decision. She examined the fruit, another bad decision. She desired the fruit, another bad decision. But she hadn't sinned yet. It wasn't until they plucked that fruit off the tree that, that she and ate it that sin entered in. And so even with a perfectly righteous nature, it's possible because of wrong thought patterns, which is what Eve was engaging in wrong thought patterns. It's possible because of wrong thought patterns to have wrong desires that are inconsistent with our righteous nature. And so what Jesus came to do was to free us from that unrighteous nature and to show us the way of understanding who we are in our identity in him and to, to yield to the Holy Spirit in that process so that we can begin to walk in incredible freedom. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become righteous. Now, you ask, how does that happen? I mean, how does a person get in on that? And, and it's pretty simple. John 1.12 says this. It says, the previous verse talked about uh, people that re rejected Jesus. And then it says, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, that's what receiving him is like. It's like believing in him. He gave the right to become children of God. That's a new nature. When you receive Jesus into your life and into your heart, you become a child of God. New nature, new identity. And not only that, he says here, you get the authority to walk that out. That's what it means when it says you receive the right to become children of God. You become a child of God the moment you receive Jesus, and then you have the authority from God to begin to live that out. And when, when, when we do this, things change inside of us. Now, what I want to stop and do right now is to ask, in a group of this size, I don't know if everyone here has actually received Jesus. And so if you've never come to a point in your life where you have actually invited Jesus into your life, you've received Jesus, then I want to ask you this question. If Jesus was here right now, if he was up here speaking, or if he was sitting beside you and leaning over right now, whispering into your ear, I want to come into your life. I want you to receive me into your life. I just want to ask, would you do it? Would you do it? Now, if your answer is yes, 
then I, I just want to give you this. I want to say this, that when Jesus says that, I want, you to rec- I want you to receive me into your life. What he's saying is, I, I want to be your life. You may, you may be going this way in your life but I want you to start going this way in your life. You, you need to change from going that direction to this direction with me. That doesn't always mean that you, like if you're a school teacher, that you quit being a school teacher. It doesn't mean that. It just means that the way I'm thinking about life, the way I'm processing life, the, 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 the way that I relate to other people, Jesus wants that all to change and to follow him in all of those. And so if you're here and you've, never received Jesus, but you would say yes to that, even knowing that he's asking you to make a a change in the trajectory of how you approach life, would you receive him? Well, I want to say this, Jesus is here. And so what I want to do right now is to pray and to invite Jesus uh, to reveal himself in, in a way that you will know it's him. If you haven't yet received Jesus, particularly, I'm going to pray for that. For anyone here that's not received Jesus, just that the Holy Spirit's going to touch you in some tangible way. It might be that, uh, that you just feel incredibly calm or peaceful. You might, you might feel like crying. You, you might feel just this sense of warmth come over your whole body. You, you might feel a trembling inside. You might feel a shiver. In many different ways, God touches us. But what I want to do right now is ask us all to close our eyes. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And if you've never received Jesus, just say to him right now, yes, if you're real, speak to me. If you're real, touch me right now. And I I pray, Lord Jesus, as you are here, because your word says, you said that where two or three are gathered, you'll be there. And Holy Spirit, you are the one here who reveals Jesus to us. Holy Spirit, touch us, touch us all. But I I ask, Holy Spirit, especially any who have never received Jesus into their heart, into their life, touch them right now in a way they'll know it's you. I'm gonna lead in a prayer right now. And if you've never received Christ into your life, you can do it right now, just sitting right there. You can pray this out loud if you want to. You can pray it just silently to yourself. God will hear it. Pray this. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I want to be forgiven and receive a new righteous heart. Jesus, come into me. I receive you. I receive you as the Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for the new life you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, not to embarrass anybody, but you know, some people say, well, religion's a private matter. I I think that's usually people that um, just have, they wanna hide whatever they think, whatever they believe, or they're just afraid, but... uh, um, I want to ask this. If you did just pray that with me, would you just raise your hand? Uh, We want to know. Okay, I see one right there. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome, yeah, cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah, she deserves a big hug there. Anyone else? All right, I want to ask both of you to come up right up to this side of the auditorium afterwards to see us. We just want to give you a Bible and some things to start to read that will help you uh, on this new walk with Jesus that you just entered into, okay? And realize something supernatural just happened. In that moment that you prayed to receive Jesus, your old nature was gone. And the new righteous nature of Jesus came into you. And so uh, we just want to bless that, and we'll pray for you afterwards too, okay? Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'm just going to spend a moment on this, but when you come to know Jesus, you become a child of God, that means you, you, come, you come back to know your Father. And, um, and that's so important that we know our Heavenly Father. That's where, that's where we gain confidence in life. But so Jesus gives us joy by restoring relationship with God the Father. And uh, just a few things I want you to know that. First of all, this. God the Father is just like Jesus, okay? It's very easy for us, very common for us to think, well, Jesus is really nice and kind. God the Father is kind of grumpy, you know, he has a little bit of, you know, he's kind of mad at people, and if it wasn't for Jesus, he would probably smite us all. And it's kind of like God's looking and saying, boy, you know, look at what you're doing. But then Jesus steps in and says, no, Dad, come on, come on. Remember, I died for them. Um, and, and that's just a real misunderstanding of the whole thing, because Jesus himself said this. He said in John 14, 7, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. God the Father is just like Jesus. You can trust him. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's kind. He's a healer. He just wants to pour his love out on you. And his love for you is incredible. It's more than you can ever even begin to imagine. In fact, Jesus at one point, for the sake of his apostles, he, he, I think he recognized that they were misunderstanding who the Father was. And he says, he says listen, the Father himself loves you. It's not just that I love you, but the Father himself loves you. And then in one of the most amazing and unbelievable verses in all of Scripture, John 17, 23, you read this. John 17, 23. Jesus says to God the Father, he says, you sent me and you loved them, meaning the apostles, and he, he commanded the apostles in this, in this chapter, he talks about not only the apostles, but those that would believe on the basis of their testimony. That's you and me. So he says, you sent me, and you loved them even as you have loved me. You loved them even as you have loved me. Now you could say, well, that means like he loved Jesus this much, and then he loves us also this much. So he loves us just like he loves Jesus, but not as much. But the, the term there, the Greek word there, means just as much. That's what it means. It means he loves Jesus this much, and he loves you this much, okay? He loves you the same way he loves his son, Jesus. That's mind-bending. I, I, I don't know that we, we, could, we could pursue that 
and think about that, meditate on that, and ask the Holy Spirit for deeper insight on that for the rest of our lives, and we'll still be gaining more insight into what this means and how it should impact our lives and our hearts and our confidence in life and just our peace in life and the joy that we have in life. He loves you just like he loves Jesus. So we're gonna, uh, we're gonna say that together, all right? We're gonna say, the Father loves me like he loves Jesus. So I'm gonna say it, and then you repeat a phrase, all right? We won't, we won't wait. We'll wait half a second after I'm done, okay? Okay, we have some problems with this sometimes if, if you haven't been here. All right, the Father loves me. Like he loves Jesus. Again, the Father loves me. Like he loves Jesus. Now let's put the whole thing together, but this time let's say just like he loves Jesus, all right? So all together, the Father loves me just like he loves Jesus. Again, the Father loves me just like he loves Jesus. All right, Father, I pray... um, Open our eyes to really grasp this. Let it sink into our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, give us revelation into this truth so that we can walk in the joy of heaven through knowing your son, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jesus' name, amen. All right, Belly Reflect is going to come again. And uh, you know what a joy it was to have them, to have them here today. Uh, what a blessing it is. So I'm um, going to give them a moment to get positioned. I was supposed to tell them ahead of, and introduce them and then pray when they would be getting ready. So, See, Father still loves me even though I made that mistake. <laughs> All right. Let's welcome Bella Reflect again. Thanks again, Ballet Reflect. So good. All right. So we're going to receive the offering now as we enter into worship. If all the ushers would come on down. There's a basket at the furthest left seat in every row. So if you're the furthest left person, just reach under there and grab that. It'd be really great. I think I said this before, but you can give checks made out to Vineyard Northwest, cash, um, or through the app. It's really easy to give that way to Vineyard Northwest is where our app is called. So as this is received, hey, do you guys all just want to stand with me as we get ready to worship? After the basket gets by you, that is. I love what Van was saying about how originally Christmas was celebrated at this time of year because it was radical to be a Christian. Because that meant that you were the minority, and you were standing against the uh, religion of the day, and you were, you were like willing to die 
for your faith. That's what it meant that you were getting together to celebrate. So let's just all be radicals for Jesus. And I just thought even, why don't we start worship by just raising our hands right now and without the music, just telling Jesus how we love him. So that might be stretching for you, but let's just start, just raise your hand and say, Jesus, we love you. Christmas is about you, God. Just say your own thanks to him right now. With your own words, just tell Jesus how you love him, how you adore him, and how he's worthy of worship. It is just to shout the name of Jesus. Micah Turnbow, our, our, uh, one of our staff members who leads our prophetic ministry. Micah is a seer. What that means is he sees things in the spiritual realm that are happening around us. So I asked him to share what he saw this morning. Push the button. No, push it. Yeah. No. Hello? Oh, ha ha. Ha ha. Well, hello. You'd think he would have known that mic wasn't going to work. <laughs> I know, I failed. <laughs> we make jokes like that all the time. <laughs> well, I just wanted to bless you guys today. Um, what I saw uh, was just an open heaven, and Dan had talked about that in his message. But I saw an open heaven, and what was interesting about it, it wasn't above us, but it was all around us. Okay, it was all around us. And so I just want to thank the Lord that you already have the joy of the Lord because the open heaven is around you. So yeah. it's there. You just, you just walk into it. You just step into it. So I'm just going to thank God that this Christmas mm -hmm. will be joyful. It'll be happy. It'll be full of peace. And you guys are going to be excited. And you're going to eat tons of food and enjoy it. Okay? Yes. So Lord, I just thank you for your people. Lord, I thank you for joy. I thank you for life. I thank you, Jesus, that you came 
and gave us peace and joy yes, and happiness and Thank laughter. You. And I just, I speak that over us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Awesome. Thank you. I want to take a moment to say this again for anybody here who hasn't received Jesus. It's not like you were guilty and they were about to crucify you and then Jesus said, no, I'm, not, I'm innocent, but I'll die for him. And it, what, what, what actually happened was Jesus took your guilt into himself and then he went to the cross and died for you. And so I want to give this plea again. If you've never, opportunity again, if you've never received Christ, you can do that right now. Just open your heart to him. Just say, Jesus, just pray that, Lord Jesus, I need you, my life. I open the door of my heart and I invite you into my life. I want to know you. I, I want that new heart that you can give me. Tell him that. I want to follow you, Jesus. I don't want to walk my own way anymore. I want to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, awesome. I'm going to ask again. Just bring the lights up about halfway. Just bring the lights up. Yeah, there you go. That's about right, right there. Thank you. If there's anybody here that just prayed that prayer with me, would you let us all know? We'll cheer for you and make us so happy. Anyone, anyone else besides we had two at the beginning? Anyone? Okay, awesome. Oh, right here, right here. Two. Okay. All right, all right. All right, someone back there? Okay, great, great. Would you please? Over here. Okay, great. Awesome. Great. And right here, too. Awesome. Awesome. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Would all of you, would all of you, that you, I know other people are going to want to talk to you right now. If, if you're a regular here and you're beside one of the people that prayed, don't grab them and talk to them. Walk them up here talking to them, okay? So we can give them a Bible and, and, and just be knowing who they are, okay? Awesome. Great. Wonderful day. Have a great uh, Christmas. We have prayer teams are going to be down here. Um, come for any prayer needs you have. Have a great Christmas. See you next week. Whoa.